Hello, everyone, and welcome to Micro 2021, the definitive micro learning conference brought to us by ARIST. I'm Elizabeth Parker, Marketing and Event Manager at Training Industry, and I'm super excited about all the bite-sized focused content in store for us today. Thanks so much for being here. Before we dive into our keynote session, I would like to first go over a few housekeeping items to help you interact with our speakers and get the most out of your time with us. Throughout each session today, please feel free to utilize the chat window to collaborate with your fellow attendees or to chat with myself and other panelists. In that chat dropdown, please select to chat to all panelists and attendees so that everyone can benefit from the conversation. And as you think of questions for our speakers, be sure to pop open your Q&A window to ask those there. We'll address as many of them as we can during each session. And we like to be social here at Training Industry, and I encourage you to do the same. Follow those handles you see on your screen, which is at ARIST and Training Industry without the Y. Now at the end of your time with us, you'll notice a brief survey has popped open in your browser, and we would greatly appreciate your thoughts about today's event. And finally, all of our sessions will be recorded and available to you on demand at trainingindustry.com. You'll receive a follow-up email from us as soon as those are available for you to watch. I know we have several people new to training industry, so welcome to you. Training industry exists to support the learning leader. We offer timely and insightful information on the business of learning through live events like today's virtual conference, as well as through website, magazine articles, research reports, referral services, uh, or podcasts, that would be just to name a few. You can find all of the ways that we connect you with expert perspectives in the industry at trainingindustry.com. And a big thanks to our event partner, ARIST. With clients ranging from the state of California to GE, ARIST helps organizations rapidly teach and train their employees using text message-based courses. Text-based courses are globally accessible, even in regions with limited internet or laptop access, while also delivering incredibly high engagement, completion, and satisfaction rates. With the ARIS platform, organizations can create, launch, and assess text-based courses in minutes, with use cases ranging from leadership development to knowledge reinforcement. All right, and with that, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Michael Yoff, co-founder and CEO of ARIST. Michael has been obsessed with education for as long as he can remember. At age 15, he founded Tile.org, one of the world's largest entrepreneurship education nonprofits. Through Tile.org's work in Yemen, where the Civil War has forced schools to close, he got the idea to deliver short-form courses via text message. In 2019, he launched Boston-based ARIST, a platform that now helps organizations ranging from GE to the state of California rapidly teach and train their employees via text message-based courses, which are remarkably accessible and effective. Michael, let's kick it off. Kick it off. All right. Hi, everybody, uh, and welcome to Micro 2021. My name is Michael, and I'm incredibly excited to welcome you all today. Today, we're celebrating Michael Learning in all of its forms, and we're excited to be joined by incredible panelists, uh, over a dozen incredible panelists over the course of today, and over 1,500 attendees from all over the world over the course of our day-long event. 
Although we'll be chatting a good bit about micro-learning and bite-sized learning, we'll also be chatting about return to work, human-centered design, and much, much more. Above all, we want today to be focused on inspiration, insight, and innovation. And we, want you all, we hope you all come away today with practical takeaways and actionable next steps as well. Um, for some quick background, my name is Michael. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Eris. Uh, we're a company that's obsessed with making learning as accessible and frictionless as possible. Um, and you can learn more about us at, at our website or, or, or through Twitter as well. Um, but today, I want to start our, our sort of day-long conversation with two specific stories. First, I want to tell you about a story that changed my life. Uh, a few years ago, I met a student named Muhammad Al-Adlani. Uh, previously, I was running one of the world's largest entrepreneurship education nonprofits, and Muhammad was running our chapter in the Yemeni conflict zone. Um, Muhammad reached out to me after hosting a series of incredibly successful live events um, and told me that the students that he was working with needed more educational resources. Having known nothing about the educational situation in Yemen, I decided to learn more. And what I started to realize was that in the Yemeni conflict zone, for the past four years, the educational system had been fully defunct, meaning that the live events that we were hosting with Muhammad were one of the few educational resources that students had access to. I became obsessed with the question of how we could deliver more educational content to students like Muhammad. But there were a number of challenges that Muhammad and his peers faced. First off, students like Muhammad didn't have regular access to the internet, meaning that online courses were completely inaccessible. Video-based learning, which I had assumed to be sort of the holy grail of making learning as accessible as possible, was inaccessible to millions and millions of students in the Yemeni conflict zone. At the same time, Muhammad was living in a conflict, and that meant that Muhammad didn't have the time to take online video courses that didn't fit in, into his day-to-day -day life. So this is, this is Muhammad, and with Muhammad's help, we started brainstorming ways to reach students halfway around the world. Meanwhile, back in the United States, Catherine was living a very, very different life from Muhammad, but was experiencing very similar issues. Catherine is a single mom of two, and at the time she was working as a district manager uh, for a local uh, supermarket chain. Um, Catherine was struggling significantly because along with her commitments to her two children, she was also focused on her career and managing the employees that she was working with. And between her commitments and between her commute and everything else, she was finding it impossible to find time to learn. Despite wanting to learn, but despite knowing that learning was critical to her career growth, Catherine could never find more than 15 or 20 minutes to learn on a day-to-day -day basis. And Catherine consistently struggled to complete the mandatory compliance training that she had at work, much less the other enrichment training that she wanted to complete. The challenges that Muhammad and Catherine face are very, very different, but also are very, very similar, and are in many ways similar to the challenges that we all face on a day-to-day -day basis. To date, learning is not accessible to the vast majority of individuals, either because they're too busy or don't have internet access or don't have the time. And so the core question that I want to talk about today is how can we meet learners like Muhammad, Catherine, and the rest of us where we are? So if we step back a bit, for most of e-learning history, frictionless access has been nearly impossible. To date, a lot of e-learning happens on video-based platforms or on external platforms where learners have to go to the learning instead of the learning coming to them. However, over the course of the next decade, a number of meaningful shifts will happen that will transform the way that we learn, teach, and train. And we hope that these transformations will transform the lives of people like Muhammad and Catherine. So here are a few of the major shifts that are happening. First off, there's going to be major transformations in the way we work, 
the way we train, and the way we learn. And let's dive into each of these to sort of examine what's going on. First off, the way we work is undergoing a, a massive shift. And many of us have seen this happen over the past 12 months. But the reality is, is that people are busier and busier and busier due to hybrid work. At the same time, because learners are going back and forth between the workplace, their home, and a number of other different venues, there is less time for in-person training, right? It's harder and harder to get everybody in the same place at the same time. Paired with that, a lot of learning is now happening via video, which is phenomenal, but that means that video fatigue rates are high as video has become the dominant modality for work of all kinds. At the same time, we've seen a skyrocketing uh, uptake of communication tools like Microsoft Teams and Slack. And people now spend hours and hours of their day in communication tools that simply didn't exist a few years ago. At the same time, the way we train is transforming rapidly. Um, first off, change within the organization is happening very, very quickly. Jobs are getting automated, AI is taking the stage. And with that in mind, the, the skills that learners need to have are changing on a day-to-day -day basis. With that change, right, with that rapid pace of change, one-time learning experiences can no longer cut it, largely because upskilling, reskilling, and even basic learning and training are continuous endeavors, right? They can't just happen at one time. They have to happen all at once, uh, or sorry, not all at once, over the course of a longer period of time. Um, and many learning leaders that we've spoken with are now realizing that learning can't happen just at one time. It has to happen over a continuous period of time, especially when it comes to skills that are rapidly evolving. At the same time, buying from executives has also increased meaningfully. Um, and post-pandemic executives are realizing, especially given the talent crunch that we currently have, how important it is to not only keep talent and retain talent through learning, but also how important it is to take the talent that we already have and upskill them and reskill them and make them better employees and individuals as well. Most importantly, what we've seen is that now entire workforces need to be able to learn new skills and new topics faster than they ever have before. Many learning leaders have experienced this over the past year, where you know, many organizations had to rapidly deploy company-wide anti-racism and DEI training, as well as company-wide COVID-19 training. Um, and these changes are very, very critical, because the more that an organization as a whole has to learn, the more of a learning culture happens as well. At the same time, the way we learn on an individual level has changed a lot. Um, most, most individuals now have an eight-second filter which means that whenever they review a new piece of content, whether it's learning content or any other type of content, within the first eight seconds, they will decide whether or not they will engage with that piece of content. Um, and although you know, many experts have talked about sort of the dwindling attention span of many individuals, what it really is is that individuals now have a much higher bar for what they are willing to learn and what they are willing to engage with. And that means that as learning practitioners, we need to meet that higher bar. At the same time, what we've noticed is that there's a greater appetite for authenticity in informal learning experiences. People want to feel like learning is coming from a friend. Um, and at the same time, what we've noticed is that more formal learning experiences, even in the higher, you know, higher education realm, um, are starting to become more and more informal um, and more and more decentralized as well. And that feeds into our last point, which is that learning now happens everywhere. If you think about where you might have learned the most over the course of the past year or so, um, you know, you might find that your learning has actually taken place across a variety of platforms, right? Learning no longer just happens in a learning management system or in a formal lecture style environment. It now happens across online videos like YouTube, TikToks, Twitter, um, and a bunch of other venues. And what we're finding is that the atomic unit of learning as a result is much, much smaller. 
uh, TikTok, which recently debuted its Learn on TikTok feature, um, which has been incredibly successful, has proven in large part that learning can be as effective in 30 seconds or a minute as it can be in 30 minutes or an hour. Um, and this overall shrinking of content, um, and, and, and not just shrinking for the sake of making things smaller, but very, very intentionally making things smaller and more bite-sized, um, is it, something that we don't see going away very soon. Uh, largely because with smaller atomic units, things are more dynamic, things are more accessible, um, and things sometimes work easier as well. With all of this in mind, these transformations in the way we work, in the way we train, and the way we learn bring up new challenges that learning leaders will have to face over the course of the next decade. First off, access for many learners is no longer a given, especially as many learning leaders focus their efforts not just on individuals who have an LMS, but on the entire enterprise. What we're finding is that for many learning leaders, LMS, laptop, and internet access is just no longer a given. Um, and the same goes especially for impact leaders that are struggling to reach learners who may not have the same infrastructure that we have here in the United States or that, organization, or that learners may have in, in more developed countries as well. At the same time, what we're realizing is that because learning needs to be more continuous and because reinforcement is critical to driving action and behavior change, reinforcement will take center stage over the course of the next decade. As learning leaders realize that, you know, one-time learning experiences oftentimes don't realize the same outcomes that they want. Um, and, and this is going to be absolutely critical, right? Like what we're now entering is an era where as we can track more and more data points across the employee experience, ensuring that action and behavior change from learning experiences actually happens is absolutely critical. At the same time, the level of immediacy required in learning uh, has changed a lot and will continue to change. As the pace of information changes, um, as the pace of how things happen changes within an organization and outside of the organization, learners uh, will want more immediacy in terms of how quickly they can receive course content. And that means that building and deploying course content will have to happen faster than ever before. Finally, the trends of employees becoming busier and busier and busier and engagement becoming tougher and tougher you know, may not go away. What we're noticing is that it's harder and harder to create learning that meets people where they are. Um, and that's going to become absolutely critical over the course of the next decade, because learning will have to meet people on their timetable. Um, and learning will also have to be easy to love. And we'll have to make sure that learning fits within that eight second filter. At a high level, a lot of these challenges are focused on the friction between learning coming into the people versus people coming to the learning. Up to now, in large part, people have been coming to learning, whether it's going to a lecture hall, going to a classroom, um, or going to a learning management system. And what we're noticing is that over the course of the next decade, this shift of learning coming to the people will be very, very meaningful. So we decided to dive in and, and look at what the research told us about addressing some of these challenges. So first off, what we know is that learners want smaller and smaller learning engagements. And they don't just want smaller and smaller learning engagements, they demand them. Right. What we're noticing is that 94% of learners know that learning is absolutely critical to their career development. Right. Everybody knows that learning is, is, is important um, and everybody wants to learn. Almost everybody. There's 6% of people who, who sort of are on the fence, but 94% of people know that learning is absolutely critical. But the challenge is that 49% of learners uh, don't have time to learn at work. Right. Learning oftentimes is not a priority for them, even though it's critical to developing their career and developing their well-being as an individual. Um, and so the question is, is how do we bridge that gap, right? How do we bridge the intention and action gap when it comes to people wanting to learn? At the same time, what we're noticing is that there's a skyrocketing increase 
and people wanting bite-sized learning experience, bite-sized learning experiences. Uh, this graph on the right uh, is actually from 2019. And so this rate has increased even more so during COVID. At the same time, what we know is that space learning works really, really well. Um, you know, Harvard research that many, many of us may be familiar with indicates that spacing learning out over time can increase knowledge retention by over 50% and reduce the forgetting curve meaningfully. But at the same time, along with space learning, space behavior change also works really well. And when we're thinking about driving action and behavior change and knowledge retention, spacing content out over time and driving small nudges of action behavior change over time has the same effect. And this study from Stanford uh, indicated that, you know, spacing behavioral nudges over time actually creates incredibly meaningful behavior change as well. Moreover, what we're noticing is that by meeting people where they are, we can bridge the intention and action gap. Uh, UPenn recently completed a large study trying to get people to take their vaccines or sign up for their vaccine shot. And what they found was that simply texting people, right, reaching people on mediums that they already use, um, can meaningfully increase the bridge between people's intention, right, what they want to do after they complete a learning experience or if they know that something is beneficial for them, and them taking action on what they've learned. Most importantly, meeting people where they are is going to become uh, absolutely critical, um, and the research supports that, right? What we're noticing is that users spend more than nine hours per working day, right, pretty much their entire working day, if not more than their working day, on tools like Microsoft Teams and Slack, right? These tools have in large part taken over the way that we work. Um, and for organizations that haven't adopted, the, adopted them, they will continue to take over the way that we work. For frontline workers, for example, mobile engagements, right? Mobile phones and, and WhatsApp and, and the text message have the same effect in large part that Slack and Teams have for in-office workers. What we're noticing is that many individuals spend upwards of 90 minutes a day on tools like Slack, Teams, text, and WhatsApp. That means that they spend more on those tools than any other productivity tool, any other tool they use on a day-to-day -day basis in the office. At the same time, 95% of people will open a message within three minutes. That's a higher rate of open than email or pretty much anything else. With all of that in mind, the research indicates that learning should happen on the communication tools that we already use on a day-to-day -day basis. These tools, if used properly, can be the most effective learning tools that we have access to. And we believe that they're being incredibly underutilized, largely because these tools are already used by learners, right? They're immediate, they're accessible. And I think it's, it's time that we use them for learning. Um, and, and, you know, internally at ARIS, we've seen this work really, really well. We've seen organizations deploy courses via text message, for example, that are incredibly comprehensive in nature. There's a few reasons why existing tools are the most powerful learning modalities that we have access to, right? First off, they're accessible to everyone. You don't need an LMS or, or, or a laptop or even internet access in some cases to access existing communications modalities. At the same time, existing communication modalities have a much higher throughput rate than pretty much any other tool that we use, right? We're very, very comfortable with receiving hundreds and hundreds of texts a day or hundreds and hundreds of Teams messages, um, but we're not as comfortable receiving, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of videos uh, or, you know, even hundreds and hundreds of emails on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And so these message-based modalities are perfect for bite-sized training and perfect for bite-sized reinforcement because we can afford to ping learners very, very continuously over the course of the learning experience and gather feedback from them and gather data from them continuously throughout the learning experience as well. At the same time, what we're noticing is that courses can be built and launched faster than ever before by using existing modalities, right? Um, and, and there's an interesting sort of relationship between communication and training that happens here. 
At the same time, the time and engagement piece is, is transformed completely when it comes to existing learning modalities, right? Learning modalities uh, that, that are communication modalities, right? Like Microsoft Teams and Slack are quick and hyper-engaging. We can read a text quickly. We can use emojis. We can use GIFs. We can make them as engaging as a text coming from a friend. Um, and again, because 95% of people open one of these messages within three minutes, they're quick and immediate and take up no more than a few minutes a day, which means that learning can be seamlessly embedded into the flow of work. For learners like Muhammad and Catherine, bite-sized learning experiences on existing modalities can be transformative. And bite-sized is the key here, right? Because we want to harness the fact that these uh, existing communications modalities are bite-sized in nature. That's what they're predicated on. Um, and that, that dives into a larger point, right? Up to now, micro-learning micro micro in the way that we've defined it has largely been about making learning smaller, right? Cutting learning up into smaller chunks, but not actually taking, you know, the entire learning experience and condensing it in a more intentional way. Um, and what we're starting to realize is that with the introduction of these new communications modalities and by using these communications modalities as learning tools, um, micro-learning is transformed into making learning more intentional and more human-centric. Right? It's about meeting people where they are and giving the right information at the right time in the right place. And we believe that this is a new era for micro learning, right? We believe that if we could redefine micro learning, we would redefine it as bite-sized learning experiences and bite-sized learning moments that are seamlessly embedded across the tools that we already use on a day-to-day -day basis. We believe that with this new approach to micro learning, we can make learning genuinely accessible, incredibly effective, and most importantly, human-centric. We can bring learning to the people. And we believe that, you know, as learning leaders take this approach, um, this will have an incredible, incredible effect on the way that people learn and interact with their learning. Today, Muhammad works in the nonprofit sector, and Catherine uh, is now a district manager. Um, so she, she now oversees a number of individuals uh, that, that were previously in the same position that she was in. Um, and uh, both of them are in their, their positions, are, are doing what they're doing in large part because of the powerful effect of micro learning using these modalities, right? What we know is that for learning leaders, for all of us, our work is just beginning. Our work to reach every single learner and make every single learner's experience beautifully authentic and incredibly impactful is just beginning. And learning leaders will be at the cutting edge of the transformations that we described, right? As we change the way we work, as we change the way we learn, and as we change the way we train for the better, learning leaders are going to be at the cutting edge and will be leading the charge. So with that in mind, here's to making a difference and here's to creating a world where everybody can learn no matter their level of access and no matter their level of time. Here's to making a difference and we hope you enjoy Micro 2021. Thank you so much. And with that in mind, I'll pass it over to Elizabeth for a quick break, and we'll see you all back here in exactly seven minutes for our first panel on Return to Work. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Michael. All right, everyone, like Michael mentioned, we have a quick break um, before our next panel uh, joins us for their session. Um, and I see lots of you are, are connecting and chatting and the chat keeps that going. Uh, and, and, and just a reminder, uh, in addition to all those LinkedIn connections, um, join us for happy hour at four o'clock Eastern time after the event wraps up uh, and network, network a little bit more, a little bit more there. All right, everybody, we will see you back here in seven minutes. <laughs> 